everybody. Welcome to 372 Pages. We'll never get back. This is Connor, uh, joined by Mike, as always. Mike, we are doing a new book soon, and it's <laughs> a book that I think we both uh, knew was by two of our favorite authors and favorite book we've covered on this podcast, but not until reviewing this did I realize how much I really liked uh, Antigua, The Land of Fairies, Wizards, Dragons, mini wads and larry etc <laughs> yeah you quickly you know in this business you flush stuff out of your ram and you don't think about it again because you're on to the next thing mm-hmm. and so yeah it was a uh it was a warm bath to get back into the prose of larry and denise which yeah. i i just did briefly it's like wow we <laughs> we read that all of it every word i yeah. guess we did yeah as i recall this was a pretty you know a hefty word count uh, yes. Many, many, many times padded, some might say, based on some of these uh, uh, examples that listeners sent to us. But it was just it had so much going on. I think our highest character count beating even the quilters. Um, and as someone pointed out, even just uh, acts past where the book actually ended. It just kept going. So <laughs> it just it made me so excited to see what their other vision was, just because this was so unique. And as one person said, contained stuff that if you were writing a bad book intentionally it would never occur to you to do some of this stuff so the fact that there's a whole other world out there is so exciting to me and remember as i was reading it again like okay i remember her voice yelling at me this was for kids so stop like (laughs) yep kids love this kind of prose of course yes kids riveted yes denise was the original you know turn off your brain the star wars prequels are for kids (laughs) So that gives you a license to just make them as terrible as possible. Yes. <laughs> uh, but this is just, we, we asked uh, all the people on Patreon for their favorite memories of the Antigua as we approach the start of Archaeologists. And we're just going to review some of those now because I think it's important to refresh ourselves with some of the tropes and just with some of yeah. the things that yeah, might come up again. And um, the first thing, I'll share my favorite. This was my favorite uh, thing in the book that I remembered and it was <laughs> I just remember it was pretty early on and I was I was so uh, taken with it that I had to like you know put it down laughing so hard and go tell Lauren about it it was I'm just going to read the passage uh, the three wizards Anechka Leonido and Stepan spread out each of them pointed their magic wands in front of them and got ready for what was about to happen suddenly Small flying dragons about the size of large birds appeared in the air before them. There were hideous-looking creatures running toward them, and there were evil pixies ready to throw stones at them as they flew through the air. And several Komodo dragons were advancing <laughs> towards them. You were, you were quite taken by that. <laughs> it's just, they have dragons. Like, why do you need yes. to... I, later on, I read about, like, what a Komodo dragon does to you. Like, I saw, like, here, here's a piece of you know, raw beef that a Komodo dragon bit and like the, the toxins that get into it, like the necrosis that like the venom injects into it is pretty nasty stuff. However, I'm not sure they're really aware of that. But when I was searching for this passage in the text of Antigua, it turned up a couple different Komodos. And so one of them was from the preview of Archaeologist, which says the teenagers steal a map and are able to find the lost civilization, which is ruled by a king, queen, and a princess. The land of the Mombek has all kind of hidden dangers, including dinosaurs, 
giant Komodo dragons, <laughs> warriors, assassins, and more. So, oh wow, you're going to be in heaven. We have that to look forward. Giant to. Giant Komodo dragons. A fixation. <laughs> I I saw that. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, what would the analog be? Like you invent a magical world. <laughs> Of, you know, like in Tolkien's Oliphants, you know, where uh-huh. the, the elephants are, are, you know, 10 times the size of an elephant. And then there were zebras as well. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Seems like kind of kind of an afterthought, but uh, sure, there's zebras. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, if there was a mystical uh, panda gods or something, and then also some red pandas. Uh, sort of just looking adorable and, and drinking out of a bottle or something. Yeah, there were sloths as well. They don't really do much. Kind of uh, cute when they're young, kind of weird when they're old. Uh, so that was my favorite, but uh, some other other listeners you know, commented on some of their favorite stuff. This was from Steve. He said, the repeated beat of throwing people into trees is an Ellis Alzheimer. I absolutely love this. This is the one. Can I give a sample? Yes, please. Yes. The sorceress used the powers of her mighty wand to push the wizard Vlandorft into a tree. <laughs> she pointed her magic wand at him and suddenly a force powerful enough to lift him up off the ground and force him right into the tree. <laughs> he moaned as his body was thrown into the tree. He wasn't hurt badly enough to stop him, though. He got up and pointed his magic wand at the evil sorceress, Gwen Devier. Yeah. That's what we decided. Yes. I guess. A force came out of the magic wand that was powerful enough to force the sorceress, Gwen Devier, into another tree. She was lifted into the air and forced right into the tree. She fell to the ground and moaned in agony. He then used his magic wand to push the sorceress into a second tree. Uh, I'll skip this. The great wizard Vlandorf used his wand to flip the sorceress around and around in the air and then forced her into the second tree. <laughs> it's perfection. Oh, my God. <laughs> and for again, kids. It's for kids. Yeah, sorry. Kids like forcing people into trees <laughs> into repeatedly. Tree with several... forces that come from their force. That one is like... Uh... I don't know. Sometimes a director, I think, you know, in Battlefield Earth, they just cut to a a, a slightly different angle of the same action happening of a guy like running through a plane of glass or something. It's like a, you know, a 70s kind of gritty, uh, gritty action thing is is what they were going for there, I think. Oh, yeah. The the show, uh, the same action three times, right, from different angles. Yeah. Yeah. Forcing (laughs) into a tree. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, this is from uh, this is from a couple different people. Harris said the phone book length of new names whom we will never revisit on every other page. Levi Sam Juno said all the lists and titles of characters repeated every time they are reintroduced because the targeted teenage readers evidently have the attention span of an overtired toddler. And Rick said characters introducing themselves after being introduced by others <laughs> and that's you know I, I didn't remember that but that would be it was usually i forget what the magic number i feel like there was always seven of something like there were seven princesses seven fairies seven knights they would introduce them and then they yes would, yeah yeah they go to a new kingdom and then like he was surrounded by his knight they yes. were and then the list <laughs> or like the wizards apprentices they have them or there's octopuses and there's seven octopuses there's seven mermen and then seven mermaids yes 
And uh, this, I just was looking for examples of this. This was one uh, that was just very funny. This is in the middle of introducing. They introduce the seven knights, and then they tell you all about the seven knights, and then they're never mentioned again. There was the strong knight, Sir Barrington, who puts, who some thought had the strength of five men. Some, some, <laughs> like some are saying, or like on on Twitter, they're being like these. You know, some are saying these awful things about the cast of the new Star Wars movie, and it's one guy. But <laughs> yeah, it's quite a. That's always a dodge when you you start an introduction with someone. Now, some would say you're a racist. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think. Okay, they're my enemies. Say that. That's right. Uh, he was able to lift over six hundred pounds of weight all by himself. He was very strong. He wasn't born that way. He just worked out a lot with weights to build his <laughs> muscles up and tone his body. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, that's a... Uh, the me, Komodo that's... dragon was looking on at all of his weight sessions. Yeah, P- push spotting him. up there, buddy. Yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> you'll, never get to, you'll, never, you'll never get to the strength of six men if it's this way. Uh, we have a, a comment here from, I think it's Balaji. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong i think that's yeah the introduction of the actual factual talking gorillas after being teased in real and fanfic (laughs) may be one of the greatest most hilarious things i've ever encountered in fiction ever (laughs) that's a really that is high praise uh do you want to read that one uh sure uh then she saw a gorilla sitting in one of the trees eating a banana the gorilla's name was gordle rebecca had seen a gorilla in a zoo in england before but she never actually had seen one this close before. She was really frightened. <laughs> she didn't know if the gorilla was going to jump down from the tree and attack her. She started to slowly back up. The talking gorilla yelled, Hey, you human girl, where are you headed? <laughs> so, oh, just putting her at ease. <laughs> yes. Hey. Never seen, I'm really frightened. Hey, hey, human girl. <laughs> uh, oh, there, that's better. The uh, So, yeah, that was, I think... Uh, a landmark uh, real or fanfic moment where we realized that like all rules were off for this book because there was a, a talking gorilla named Gordel in a tree eating bananas and we could not be possible. And it turned out they got a whole, you know, uh, three quarters of the way through their book, became, briefly became major characters. And this was, um, <laughs> this was a, uh, another one because Gordel, he went on to meet his family after he fought with the nasty Fox. You'll recall the nasty Fox. Yes. yes. Uh, Static Warp said that Glendra Gorilla was a treasure. And so I had to look up that. Uh, I think, so, uh, I don't remember who else said it, uh, but someone said that Gordel, Glendra, and their baby gorilla, Bubo, who drinks cow's milk, are possibly my favorite <laughs> 372 characters ever. My quintessential example of the kind of thing you can't replicate if you're trying to write an intentionally bad book. And I found that sentence, um, which I had I had marked with, you know, 17 exclamation points and possibly my favorite sentence we've ever covered on the book. Glendra Gorilla grabbed a bottle of cow's milk and gave it to her baby gorilla, Bubo. <laughs> Bubo started sucking on the bottle right away. And uh, this is when she met the uh, the main girl. Glendra had Bubo Gorilla in her arms. She looked at Rebecca and said non-caringly, oh, it's a little human girl. <laughs> So you'd forgotten about those little things, just inventing uh, adverbs that no one else has ever used. We we also, didn't we start to rack up, because she'll mention things like cow's milk. So, okay, 
gorillas keep cows, I guess, in this yeah, land. Right. And have milking machines and things, though we never, we didn't meet cows, right? Oh, au contraire. There was a, yeah, that comes up later. There was a cow. A uh, cow? I'll, I'll, I'll find it right now, yeah. <laughs> Did it talk? Yes. Uh, oh. Well, here we go. This is from Brian. Please enjoy my milk. I don't, what what, what <laughs> well, does the cow say? One of the cows said, quote, Moo! <laughs> and he said, it's the quote marks that did it for me. That's the Ellis's letting you know they aren't summarizing or paraphrasing. They are transcribing the cow's utterance verbatim. Utterance? Uh, giving you the kind of solid scholarship that you've come to expect from them. <laughs> okay, there we go. One of the cows. I forget where the cows are then. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the book is, is so jam-packed full of details. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to remember. I saw once, speaking of cows, though, the speaking of Komodo dragons and cows... There was some sort of a, uh, I don't know, large, uh, what do you call them, a wildebeest or something? I don't know what it is. That uh, a, a Komodo dragon had bitten, <laughs> you know, like three days before. And then they just kind of hang out and they watch it as it like stumbles into a pool and drowns itself. <laughs> and then the Komodo dragons come and like start eating it in the muck, you know, <laughs> just like mud all over. That's their, they're not a very cool animal. That's yeah. pretty lame. Like here, here's a bite on your leg. Oh, that kind of hurts. Wow. That's getting necrotic. Yeah. I better yeah. crawl into a pool of water and yeah, drown four myself. Days, yeah. <laughs> four days Meanwhile, later. Meanwhile, the evil dragon Voraltrar incinerates an entire vittle in yes. 30 seconds. Oh, so hopefully that comes up in that book, Komodo <laughs> Dragon killing the cow that said moo. <laughs> uh, this is uh, from Lindsay, who said, this was another one that I think was in real or fanfic that was like, that cannot possibly be real. She said, probably that random segment where the evil sorceress's cat walked into the kitchen and suddenly recreated a Tom and Jerry cartoon with a mouse in a frying pan. No rhyme or reason to it, just random madness ripped straight from Saturday morning cartoons. Do you want to uh, share that uh, passage? Sure. The mouse was just about to run into his hole in the wall when the cat jumped right in front of the hole. (laughs) The sorceress's cat hissed angrily at the mouse and reached her claw up to try and trap the mouse. The mouse was too fast for the cat. The mouse ran all over the kitchen. The cat ran right after him. I'll stop that. The mouse ran up onto the counter, over the sink, and over the kitchen cabinets. The mouse grabbed a frying pan and then hit the sorceress's cat upside her head. The cat became very dizzy and then passed out on the floor. The uh, exclamation points are implied here, of course. The mouse was able to escape and ran back over to the piece (laughs) of cheese. The mouse carried the cheese back to his hole in the wall. The evil sorceress Gwendevier walked into the kitchen and saw her pet cat stretched out on the floor. The sorceress stared at her cat for a few seconds and then just shook her head. She said out loud to herself, stupid cat. <laughs> I forgot the relationship between the cat and Gwendevier. Yeah, this cat was always saying things sarcastically, I believe. Yes. Um, and it's they so they mentioned cheese too. So the dairy industry is going strong here, but they don't specify that it's cow's milk cheese. So I we have to infer that it must be goat or sheep. Um, Komodo dragons. Oh, yeah. oh god, they learned to milk Komodo dragons. That's a Larry innovation for sure. Yes. Um, oh, speaking of, Wyatt said, I quite enjoyed the interpretation of Larry as a Margaritaville guy coming home red-faced and badgering <laughs> Denise. Larry might have had uh, had a rough go of it in the past month. He uh, he probably had, he might have had tickets to a concert that's not happening anymore after Jimmy Buffett uh, passed. Yeah, that's, man, what a, what a month for him. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, who I learned, you know the weird times you like, you turn on the radio 
and they were talking about, you know, we lost Jimmy Buffett. I'm like, okay, it's time to switch the channel. And they go, his dear friend Paul McCartney, who was like in his last hours, was there with Jimmy. Like, wow. Paul McCartney? What? They were good, good friends. And Paul did his like last two records or something. His, his posthumous releases are... Sir Paul and Jimmy Buffett. They recorded together or they just like worked in their studio? They recorded together. Wow. I had I had no idea. You know, so anyway, that was Larry. Uh, he's got some consolation in Sir Paul, I guess. I mean, at some point in time, Paul's just like, I mean, uh, when, you're, when your circle is limited to people as rich are you, and that circle, uh, to your utter befuddlement, includes Jimmy Buffett now. Yes. <laughs> That's uh I'd like to do a tribute. Living on sponge cake. Isn't that right, mate? Yeah. Get out of my jet, Paul. <laughs> Earn another billion and we can talk. Uh, uh, here, here's uh, Mark's comment. He says, wasn't there a goblin named Gorzarf or something who got hit in the ass or landed on his ass several times? He definitely got thrown into a tree. That guy was the best. I, I looked him up. Um, he does come up a lot. Uh, there was a lot of Gozarf. I don't. I don't think his ass came up. That seems a little. That seems like that's not for teens. Um, no, but, no, cer- certainly not the word, right? No, yeah, I don't. It can't be. But he was the head goblin who was in charge of all the orcs, and then that's not to be confused with. You remember this? There was a head unicorn of the centaurs. Yes, <laughs> like the, yes. the centaurs had a unicorn boss. <laughs> yes, uh, but this was just so, some of the some of the pros related to Gorzarf. Uh, I think we did a whole bit about him, a used car salesman talking to him because he's make oh, the yeah. trolls understand Gozarf. They will listen to you. Do you understand me, Gozarf? If you fail me, Gozarf, I will personally place your head on a platter and feed it to my alligators. Am I making myself clear, Gozarf? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Mike, what do I have to do to get you into a new car? Do you, do you, do you want the undercoating package, Mike? I really recommend it, Mike. Please let go of my elbow. That is not making you endearing to me. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what, you know, you get this baby, Gozarf, and you're going to get the ladies like crazy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, really? They, the ladies the ladies are into a, a Chevy Suburban? Oh, that's cr- look at that one over there, she's looking at you. I really Go, just... Gozarf. <laughs> I don't know, it's a little outside my price range, so yeah. Uh... I mean, I'm only have a seat in there, Gozarf. Let's uh, fold your hat down and then set you in that car. Oh, I, you look great. I could fit a lot of orcs in here. They do, they do need to be taken a lot of places. But let's let's take this out on the open road there. Your curl know. your curly shoes might have trouble with the brakes, but yeah, we'll, we'll I can't break out. Come on, I'll drag it in the road. <laughs> oh. Oh. Get the jaws of life, Gozarf. Didn't I? It just reminded me. This is apropos of nothing. The the evil Gwendevier, didn't she like keep moving kingdoms? She had to move a lot or something. Yeah, didn't she like she, went like, to the went Northern up, Kingdom? Went I think farther up north. I think, uh, I think so, someone mentioned that like yeah, her family became a, 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 a major part of it in the final third. Like she wasn't right. speaking to her nephew or something. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think the dragons kept wiping things out, so she kept getting pushed northward. Um, John has this to say. I'll just move along here. This little snippet is everything I loved about Antigua rolled into one. And I assume this is where this starts. The head knights of King Arthur's <laughs> army led King Arthur, King Alexit. <laughs> I couldn't do it even after all this time. King, King Alexandrio, King Thomason. I remember that. Queen Lydriana, Queen Gwenda, Queen Elendor. 
<laughs> Eleanor Dora. The Great Wizards, the Apprentice Wizards, the Princesses, Timothy and his parents, several warrior centaurs, several mini-wads, several gnomes and elves, and all the king's advisors to the royal conference chamber. Over 100 knights from all three kingdoms followed behind them. Once they reached the royal conference chamber, the kings, queens, princesses sat on thrones in front of the glass table Isadora. Whew! What? Uh, picture that, everyone. Just get that in your mind's eye. It's yeah. easy, right? It's a Hieronymus Bosch painting or something. Where's <laughs> yes, Waldo? Like, can you spot Queen Gwyndeth? <laughs> and then, yeah, there was a talking glass table, of course. Yeah, and there was a King Thomason, and someone mentioned that their favorite part of the book was the cameo by Sean Thomason. So was there a, a Sean and a King Thomason? I think yes, that happened. there was. There was several different people with the same name. He was like a barrel maker or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah there was a fight, right? He <laughs> yes, walked yes. up to them and, and started he a did, fight. Maybe he did get knocked on his ass or something. Yeah, could be. Um well, so I just wonder how this is going to translate to the teen archaeologists. I mean, I guess they're going to the land of the Mopec, so there's all going to be all sorts. Of, that must be a fantasy realm or something. Yeah, what do they do, like fall through a crust in the earth or something, and then yeah. they're in Mopec? I guess we'll find out. Uh. <laughs> and will they have crazy names? I mean, the teens, uh, uh, we'll have to find out. We'll have to read. But speaking of, this was Tyler's favorite part. He said, I loved Timothy. <laughs> where a character gets no introduction but is just in the scene with barely any acknowledgments. So I, I went and found the very first appearance of Timothy. It was the great wizard Vlandorf said, follow me, my lord. King Arlex Hendrio held his wife's head, hand and followed after the wizard Vlandorf. Princess Alexandra, Timothy, and the three wizard apprentices laughed as they ran off ahead of the king and queen. <laughs> was Timothy the one that had the doomed love? Yeah, he was the he was the uh, friend zone guy. <laughs> he, was, he was friend zone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that we are friends, Timothy. As she ran off to you know hit on the three wizard apprentices. Yeah, we could not be more friends than we are. Uh, the next one is from James, who this is, I guess, a little spoiler, but he said, I just wanted characters to either yell out or say sarcastically, and then 10 pages in, and I already got both. Right. So, so that and Komodo Dragons means that, you know, it's not like they changed a bunch up uh, between these books. I don't remember which is which is first and which is second. We'll have no, to find the, that out. This is the uh, phenomenon we have seen with uh, it, probably more, but at least two of our authors with Andy Weir and... Uh, and what's his ass, Ernest Klein, uh-huh. where they're not going to suddenly write a good book. I mean, this is just, I don't see Larry and Denise suddenly becoming Faulkner in this. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see that happening, but oh, who knows. Man. If there's just like one chapter in the book that was like, you know, written from someone else's perspective and they were able to just like, you know, make you weep with the prose and stuff. Like if it was told from the story of uh, the point of view of, of, of Timothy, like his own first person thing, and it was him weeping for his his unrequited love. Yeah, just a like Dostoevsky interior, you know, just knowing a person like so much <laughs> just from every little detail. And this is how they think and how they see the world. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Then it goes back to uh, the Goblin King of the Orcs, Gozarf, was trying to ride a spider <laughs> whose name was Spider Ramano. <laughs> uh this was from Triss. He's, they said the uh, evil sorceress when Devier's family getting an offhand mention early on and then it becoming a major plot point in the final section where the story just keeps going and going despite the main plot being resolved. I think the main plot was defeating the dragon. 
who also remember the dragon also had a hologram version of itself <laughs> that could do accomplish the exact same thing <laughs> and then a user named uh, spinoza's dog said i think what stuck most in my mind was how the book having completed its story arc then started in a completely different one that was clearly meant to be a sequel got about a third of the way in and ended <laughs> i don't really remember that but it's incredible um mike says the overly extensive lists that still hedge at the end the forest had trees and grass and rabbits and squirrels and bushes and pine cones and spiders and frogs and many other things <laughs> oh a lot of things Onions. Oh, a lot of things um <laughs> uh... Uh, Taylor said that uh, I forget his name, but one night was known for quote reading a lot of articles. <laughs> yes. I found that mention. It was the night Sir Vincent was an intellectual who enjoyed reading old books and articles. I don't remember if we got uh, letters about that. Be like uh, articles have existed since three hundred uh, BC. There's articles on papyrus. Maybe they'll come. Maybe there will be articles in the kingdom of the Mopek. The cover of the book makes you think it's uh, or sort of Egyptian esque land. Yeah, and weren't there, there were traits for each night, right? But then it was kind of like running out of ideas and, you know, <laughs> Sir whatever had a a, a mustache. Yes. He, he enjoyed having a mustache. Yeah. He at one time had tea, so they called him Sir T. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cormius says, the end of the race when the wizard calmed the loser down by telling him it's not a competition, despite it being the most direct and obvious form of competition imaginable. And here's the quote. The crowd yelled out, William, William, William. Jonathan yelled out, I flew just as fast and just as far as William did. Why are all of you cheering him? What about me? The wizard Vlandorf said, Young Jonathan, this is not a competition. <laughs> if you'll recall, it was like a, a scavenger hunt. They rode their brooms. Yes. Uh, I think they were stood on their brooms, though, and like were just doing this huge race through the entire kingdom. Yes. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, Jackal651 said, The ever-expanding roster of named characters, I can imagine Connor reading each name followed by a dog bark. <laughs> we sure as hell are not doing that again. <laughs> you get that once. How long did that take? Uh, 45 minutes to read all the names. I, I mean, not in real that time. Was just a, yeah, that, that was, was just what it ended up as. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just it, it, over the span of a day, I would, I would take a break. And <laughs> uh, Jay said, this is, of course, I mean, where this all stemmed from, was the legendary bonus reel or fanfic where Mike got 14 of 15. Yes. That was recapped by Taylor's uh, legendary video as well. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, talk about the... If we hadn't had for that, I don't know what your stats would be, but that's like a... You know, that's like a, a Pete Rose's 400 season or something. Yeah, that was just uh, freakish. Yeah. I guess Ted Williams's Pete Rose never did that. Uh, he, uh, Jay also said, plus, this is the only book that I fooled Mike with fan fiction in. I had fun making a map for the book, too, though other people's were better. So I had forgotten people oh, tried, yeah, had <laughs> tried to recreate fantasy maps of the land of Antigua. I hope Mopec is expensive Mopec. enough that oh, it warrants. Oh, I'm rubbing my hands yeah. in anticipation. Uh, Alex also said Mike's 14 out of 15 fanfic run was amazing but from the book itself i have to say it's the epic clash between gordon gorilla and the nasty, nasty fox, fox. <laughs> someone else said that i i was disproportionately uh uh pre not prepared for how how little the nasty fox was actually into it depending yeah. on how much we talked about it and how outsized it was in the memory that happens a lot with this i feel like <laughs> we go back and revisit something and something we've built up in our heads is like 
very offhand and unmemorable. Oh, that happens constantly when there's some, you know, moment from a movie or something that you just start doing an impression of and then someone does uh, an even more pointed impression of till you think that that's the real thing <laughs> that you see it in the movie. It's like, oh, he just says it like a normal line. Like that thing we just read, the, uh, the onions. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's there. It's there. Yeah. It's just subtle. Uh, uh, Patricia says, wrong real words, like the wizard's quenched lips, <laughs> or not tampering with the prophecy. And here's the quote. The wizard Vlandorf said, yes, Brandon, please give me a sip of water. My lips are quenched. (laughs) That's incredible. I had forgotten about that, too. I don't remember what tampering with the prophecy was, but uh, being being needing quenching and then using that as the word in the exact opposite way it's intended is another uh, another pure Ellicism. Especially when Brandon is part of the scene. I forgot yes. about it. Yeah, he was one of the wizard's apprentices, I think. Yes, he was involved yes. in the race with Jonathan and all of them. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, if that doesn't make you uh, excited to dive into uh, the teen archaeologist in the land of the Mopec volume one, I don't know what would. I'm extremely excited. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, so we're reading the first two chapters. Uh, a lot of, it seems that a lot of people have been able to find the book, which is good, uh, because... Uh, a lot of people have already been writing in their dumb sentences and fanfic and stuff like that. So send that, and we'll uh, we'll dive in as soon as we can. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.